Welcome to Hogue MD, a new medical podcast by physicians for physicians. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of Hogue MD, a medical podcast engaging the physician community of Orange County, California, and beyond. Now, during each discussion, we'll dive into the background of the talented physicians practicing right here in Southern California and discuss the groundbreaking clinical work being led at Hogue. So excited, our guest today is Dr. Aaron Ritter. Dr. Ritter has recently joined Hogue and is the Larkin Family Endowed Chair in Integrative Brain Health and Director of the Memory and Cognitive Disorders Program at Hoag's Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute. Dr. Ritter is a neuropsychiatrist. Now, he formerly held executive positions at Cleveland Clinic, where he led programs and research studies involving cognitive disorders. He has a focus in Alzheimer's disease, Lewy body disease, CTE, and frontotemporal dementia. He served as the principal investigator on dozens of research studies and clinical trials and has received extramural funding from the National Institutes of Health and Alzheimer's Drug Discovery Foundation. Now, before joining Hogue, he was principal investigator for the Brain Health in Professional Athletes study that was the largest study of athletes exposed to repetitive head trauma. Voted a top doctor in the Las Vegas Valley by his peers, he received the Dr. Roy Martin 2019 Las Vegas Heels Inspired Excellence in Healthcare Award and was named the 2018 Innovator Healthcare Hero by Nevada Business Magazine. His passion for medical education resulted in honors from Cleveland Clinic and the University of Arizona. Dr. Ritter has co-authored and authored peer-reviewed manuscripts, delivered clinical presentations and keynote addresses, and contributed to textbooks on Alzheimer's and dementia. His commentary has appeared in the New York Times, ESPN, and WebMD. He earned his medical degree from the University of Colorado. Dr. Ritter will share research-based insights into how social connections can keep your brain younger and even stave off the effects of Alzheimer's disease and other forms of dementia. With that intro, Dr. Ritter, welcome to the Hogue MD Podcast. Thank you for having me. Okay, let's dive right in. Uh, First of all, you published numerous articles. You've been involved in many clinical trials and studies about dementia. So what are some of the recent findings about Alzheimer's disease and dementia that our listeners made up of physicians would find maybe interesting or most surprising? Yeah, so so I think what what we're seeing is the landscape is changing for how we treat Alzheimer's disease. For for about the last two decades, we've primarily been treating symptoms. Now, just within the past week, uh, so January, uh, 2023, uh, the FDA approved a new medication. It's the second in its class um, that affects what we think is the fundamental biology of Alzheimer's disease, which is the buildup of amyloid protein in the brain. So we have monoclonal antibodies directed directly at amyloid protein. And that's a, a change in the field, changing the biology of the disease. And hopefully these a- agents will slow down the effects of Alzheimer's disease and cutting the sort of the progression of the disease, uh, up, we think maybe 25 to 50% in, in half. So in a long chronic disease, uh, that could have a big impact on the disease. So it's very exciting. So now we're going to move, I think the field is going to start moving a little bit toward early diagnosis because we can do something about the biology. Um, there's potentially a lot of side effects. There's a, a high cost associated with these monoclonal antibodies, but it's a step in the right direction. I th- I'm hoping to think, I think what this means is that we're starting to treat Alzheimer's disease and seeing the sort of shift we see in MS, whereas MS was purely symptomatic treatment, and then we've gone to being more of a biologic, 
based approach. And I think that's what we're going to start seeing in Alzheimer's disease over the next couple of years and decade. The treatments are really going to start to affect the biology of the disease. So some exciting news there on the treatment side. Let's talk about the the social aspect that we kind of uh, teed up in the intro. During the pandemic, we heard that social isolation and loneliness can increase a person's risk for dementia. So I guess is the opposite true there? Does staying socially connected protect a person from the disease? That's a good question. So I, I think most physicians may be familiar with the Framingham study. It's a, it's a long-standing study. It studied people primarily for cardiovascular risk, but they actually uh, looked at loneliness in, in that cohort of people. And what they found was people that sort of had chronic loneliness um, almost it doubled their risk for developing dementia in a 10-year time span. So it's a prospective study that showed really that loneliness is a risk factor, seems to be a risk factor for dementia, controlling for other factors. Loneliness itself is, is one of the myriad of risk factors that all physicians, from you know, if you're a cardiologist to a primary care, um, if we promote healthy lifestyles, uh, cardiovascular health, we can reduce our, our patient's risk for dementia. So loneliness is one of those. We don't often screen for loneliness. Yeah. I mean, what, how, how do you do that? But we want to engage our patients and encourage our patients um, to do things, to be active, to be physically active, to be socially active. And I think as, as physicians, it's our, it's our job, especially when it comes to dementia. How do we, risk our, how do we reduce our patient's risk for dementia? Loneliness seems to be one of those, those things. So, so connect with uh, social workers, uh, and that may be available in your clinic, connect with family to, to encourage patients. The way I st- say is, let's pick an activity a day that either stimulates the brain, stimulates the body, or uh, socially connects the, the patient. And oftentimes it has to be done by the family, but it's something I think we see in our bag of tools that we can use to treat this dreaded disease of dementia. So staying on that topic of social connections, interesting question here, is it the the quality or the quantity of those social connections? Yeah, that's a great question. We, we Ideally, we want to have both quality and quantity. But if you have to choose between the two, I, I think the, the research is really coming down on the size of quantity. So especially for exercise, if the barrier is gym membership or, or going to the gym and, and working out for an hour or th- that you can do once a week or twice a week or a walk, a, a 15 to 20 minute walk daily, we always want to choose quantity. The research is showing us that it's really the quantity and the amount of time spent um, that is ha- the most impactful. So we say quantity, start where the patient lives and, and encourage quantity. And, and, we, and the number that we're seeing in, in most studies is about 150 minutes a week of exercise. So that's the, sort of the best studies around exercise show that if we get to that quantity and we get our heart rate up to about 100 or so, that that really has the most uh, dramatic impact on a risk for dementia. So a lot of the physicians listening you know, interested in the new medications you were talking about, the advancements in treatment. How about the advancements in research when it comes to the role genetics play in Alzheimer's disease? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a great question, and I and I hope with the, in the, the way we're expanding with our data science, we'll be able to better figure out the genetic piece. Um, it seems to be that late onset Alzheimer's disease is a polygenetic risk disease, like most neurologic disease. There, there's probably a equal role of genes. We don't know exactly which genes they are. It's different for different people uh, and environment. And it's sort of the interaction among those factors that hopefully, you know, with with the way data science is moving, we'll be able to model those a little bit better and and pick out those genes. Uh, Right now, we know that ApoE is the biggest 
uh, risk gene, and and it in- increases the risk uh, if you have one if you're a carrier of, of one of those genes by about uh, doubles your risk. If you have two of them, it, it kind of quadruples to increasing it by eight times. So those genes are very important. But I think we're starting to move away from the fact that these are, are single genetic diseases like young onset um, or familial Alzheimer's is. So um, a lot of excitement uh, from my perspective on, on the way that gene therapy is going to really be able to help people that do have the genetic forms of these diseases. So, so it's a really exciting time in our field where we're going to be able to fundamentally change the biology and then hopefully uh, be able to kind of alter some of our genetic risk. I'm sure you get this question a lot, um, you know, people interested in how they can protect themselves from dementia, from Alzheimer's. You've talked a little bit about it, um, but let's talk about it from the physician's perspective. What kind of advice do you have for physicians on how they can encourage their patients to protect themselves with some of those, um, you know, tips you were talking about? Right. I, th- I think that the, the first one is to change the paradigm of, about thinking about Alzheimer's as, as a familial disease. I know um, a lot of families or a lot of folks will say, well, I, I'm not at risk because no one in my family had it. The biggest risk is age. And so, you know, the way I start a lot of times is by saying everybody's at risk for Alzheimer's disease if you want to live over the age of 65, because that, that's where our risk really doubles every five years. Uh, so we're getting better at treating the heart. We're getting better at treating cancer. So we know patients are going to live longer. And so putting off our dementia risk needs to become part of the strategy for, for living longer. And so that's exercise, that's eating healthy, uh, that's controlling blood sugars and uh, blood pressure and uh, reducing our you know, cholesterol risk. So these, these factors are all part of a package that we have to implement if we're going to treat people to live longer, we also have to reduce the risk for dementia. So um, I, I think there's kind of a checklist we go through is, like, are we treating our, our blood pressure? Are we treating our um, sugar uh, risk with, through diabetes uh, care? Are we prioritizing sleep? Are we prioritizing exercise and then so, social connection? So all these things that we kind of have to do, um, and the research is really supporting that these, these are meaningful interventions. It's not just because it sounds good or it feels good. The research is really backing up the fact that a person can really reduce their risk for, for dementia through healthy lifestyle. And I think about living in Southern California, there's a lot of opportunities to just get outside and walk. So I think for a lot of patients, we say, start with a 15 to 20 minute walk every day. And, and you know, the most recent data, the most sort of the, the best study I've seen in the past year is about the steps, the step study that came out and showed that if we get to about 6,000 steps a day, we dramatically reduce our risk for de- developing dementia. So starting there, something that the patient can kind of hold on to and, and give them a, a goal to sort of achieve. And I think 6,000 steps is, is probably where I've been starting this past year because it's really supported by the data. Well, you mentioned family just now, and as you know, when a patient is diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia, it does become a family diagnosis. So how do you help work with patients' families to help them understand, you know, what are the best resources out there for that specific patient? Yeah. So, so Alzheimer's disease, there's a huge cost associated with Alzheimer's disease. I think it's something like $6 billion globally. And most of that cost is not hidden uh, it's hidden costs for the family that bears the sort of burden of of caring for uh, individual with dementia. It's not, you know, it's not around medications or it's not about the cost of of, of a lot of therapies. That and that that may change, but it's the time lost through work. It's the time lost through 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 caregiving. So really, it is a is a a disease that affects multiple persons, and so it starts with understanding about the disease and how it changes uh, a person. There's a lot of skills and tools 
that families sort of learn over the course of, of the disease. And, and every family is different, and we kind of have to have sort of repeated follow-up and, and get people aware of, of some of the symptoms and how to manage these symptoms and have a game plan that's kind of proactive to w- what are we going to do when, when uh, our, our family member can no longer be left alone. I mean, we have to get somebody in to help. And then it's about knowing some of the resources where you can direct families to, um, to turn. Uh, it's a devastating disease, and, and unfortunately, our healthcare system's not really set up to manage in a medical model dementia. And hopefully, we'll be able to, to change that as, as, as the number of people with dementia is going to increase. We're living, people are living longer in general. And so uh, it really has to be part of a national approach to, to uh, our healthcare system. Dr. Ritter, as we wrap up here, interested to learn about the work you're doing, the work Hogue is doing uh, when it comes to shaping the future of dementia care in Orange County and beyond. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it starts with the premise that episodic and reactive care to dementia, so where we're responding to symptoms, is, is probably not going to be the best approach to dementia. So I think what, what we're trying to, to do at Hogue and trying to change those sort of the paradigm with which we treat dementia is proactive approaches. So accurate diagnosis, uh, expert uh, management, ability to participate in clinical trials, and then also that, that education piece about educating the family about how do we get in front of uh, the symptoms that are very commonly experienced. And, and, and we're working on that. And we've, we're, we're putting together a team of, of experts in the field and, and trying to really focus on the patient. I think that's what what distinguishes Hogue from a lot of other medical centers where the primary focus is on research. I, I think Hogue's approach is, is patient-centered. So patient, the patient's first and the family's first in our clinic. So uh, being able to do that, it's, it's going to be a long process, but, but that's how we sort of approach the issue of dementia in our clinic. And for our physicians listening, how do you work with the referring physician to care for both patient and their family? Well, the referring physician is, is super important. Um, and so uh, we have uh, a really robust team of, of, of a medical system that's been created at, at Hogue. And so we, we view uh, our physician collaborators uh, as, as really important parts of the piece uh, of taking care of people with dementia. So we're in constant contact. Um, we, we, we generate reports that go back to the physician, and, and we really want to provide some education to the family and, 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 and as well as to the, treat, the sort of primary physician about how we can best collaborate and, and partner in the care of, of treating a disease that really doesn't get solved by a single medication, doesn't get solved, even with these new medications, they're not cures. Um, and so we're going to have to work collaboratively to help uh, be proactive in the care of, of our patients because uh, patients with dementia deserve our dignity, they deserve our care, um, and the families need to be supported. All right, Dr. Aaron Ritter is a neuropsychiatrist who came to Hogue from the Cleveland Clinic. He is the director of the Memory and Cognitive Disorders Program and the new Center for Integrative Brain Health at Hogue's Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute in Newport Beach. Thank you so much, Dr. Ritter, for sharing all of this information today. And we just got done talking about physicians. So how can the physician community reach you if they do have questions or want to refer a patient to you? So I go to our website. It's got our telephone number. It's got our referral information. Patients can self-refer themselves as well. Okay. So they can, they can call the number that's uh, available on, on our website. But I, I direct folks to the website and direct the physicians to the website is, is sort of the, the main means for getting in touch with us. Dr. Ritter, thank you so much for being with us.
And thank you all for listening to this episode of Hogue MD. We look forward to meeting you again soon. Thank you for listening to Hogue MD. If you haven't already, please remember to like, comment, and review. And subscribe to catch all our future episodes.